Welcome, everybody, to Derek's Discussions, episode six of Derek's Discussions with my boy, Dan, from Marist College. So, Dan, how are you doing today? Dude, I'm doing great. Um, you know, wanted to do, we talked about this a little bit at school, but I wanted to, you know, hop on what you're, you're saying uh, um, for a while now. Just talk, talk sports, talk life. Um, hit the gym this morning, got a good pump in, feeling good. Ate some pizza. You know, got prepped. Uh, I'm feeling having a good Friday. I'm off work today, so I'm having a good Friday. And so, like, obviously, like, from a perspective of we're both in sports communication at Marist right. College. So, like, what is your motivation? Like, what motivates you? God, wow. That's a good, good first question. Man, I, I just, like, I, I think it all started, like, this kind of career path started for me post Sox World Series in 2018. Um, which I know I, I'm already talking about that, but it really has a huge influence in my life. I, uh, my dad really got me into sports I, as a lot of dads do. Um, but I started really consuming a lot of sports media around the time the Sox won the world series in 2018, which I think when I was a soft, I think a sophomore in high school, freshman or sophomore in high school, probably mm -hmm. freshman. Um, but I just remember after that, it's like, I, I just wanted to be able to tell those stories and tell the narratives that are like around a championship team or anything in sports, you know, players specifically, teams, anything outside of that, anything that involves involves the industry because it's so, there's so much to talk about. And everyone, the biggest audience in the US for any media is sports because everyone like most American households like sports of any kind. And so what motivates me is being able to talk about something that a lot of people relate to and I'm passionate about. And then, you know, putting my own spin on it, whether that is, you know, right now doing stuff for Marist um, and just, you know, consuming as much media as I can to figure out what I want to put out when we're in the industry, you know, getting your voice. Yeah. And what would you say, like you talk about, like your experiences have been completely different. Like you've done writing pieces and all different types of stuff, but like at the end of the day, like, what do you want to do in sports media? Cause obviously like starting out, you want to be more versatile, but once you get into your older ages as like 40, 50 years old, yeah. you kind of want to be more, you know, steady and zoned in on something. So like, what are your expectations for yourself on like, I want to do this. And you know, that's my end goal. Yeah. I think at first it was, you know, you watch first take and you see when you're younger, you see Stephen A. Smith, you see these guys and they're just yelling at each other about sports. And it's like, if I could do that for a career, like I, <laughs> I'm set, like, of course I want to do that. But, um, as I want to say the spring training of uh, baseball before COVID. So February, 2020, I was in uh, the Sox spring training. They were playing the twins just there casually on vacation. And I walk into the stadium and I see uh, John boy media. They are doing an interview. They're doing a, uh, actually they're doing a food review. They're doing a snow cone food review <laughs> on the, the first base side. And I, uh, that's kind of when they were getting really popular with the breakdowns that previous season, the 2019 season, they really got popular with those, uh, the, the breakdowns. And I, after they were done, I went up to them and they were just so nice. They had a great conversation with me about sports 
and it wasn't anything like crazy, but it was, you know, a cool moment for me. I met like kind of a hero in the industry, you know, they're like this independently run, uh, company that was talking about what they wanted to talk about and making baseball fun again, which is, I know what a lot of people want to do, but after I met them, you know, you follow them really closely and it's like, how cool would it be to own your own media company? Right. And talk about sports in a way you want to talk about and setting up that narrative, how you want to talk about it. Like that'd be, that's kind of the top. If I had to hit a, hit a ceiling, I'd want to, you know, be able to own what I talk about and make a narrative that other people care about. I don't know what yet. I mean, John boy is, would be awesome. That's like, so that's, that's the dream. I mean, being able to talk about what I want to talk about in sports and making an impact on a, an audience that, you know, maybe we were in before, you know, young sports fans, you know, that dedicated sports fan, but, you know, just making a, a company available that people want to listen to you, you know, and that'd be the goal. And then what would you say, like one moment, like in particular has like changed you, like from a perspective of like, not that you that knew that you wanted to be in sports, but kind of like a way of, you know, you mentioned like the Red Sox winning it, but I'm thinking more of like a personal experience mm. of like what made like sports interesting to you. Cause everybody has their own story. And I was just wondering like what your story is behind sports besides like obviously following, you know, the Red Sox and Boston teams. Yeah. God, that's a good question. Um, well, you know, I played little league. Um, I, I played a lot of baseball. I wasn't good, but I played, <laughs> um, I, 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 I like I played probably from first grade to first year of high school. And then I, I decided to, to stop. I, I was getting frustrated with myself personally. And I was like, you know, this isn't what I, this isn't what I want to do. I don't feel like I can spend my energy somewhere else. And after a year or so off, I, I kind of regretted it because, you know, if you work hard enough at something, I mean, as anyone says, if you work hard enough, something, you can do anything, but like, I'm sure if I've actually put the hours in and really cared, I could have gotten better. I could have, you know, hit the ball more than a 10 feet into the infield. I, I could have, you know, you know, made some good plays in the outfield. But after that, I, I wanted to get back into that realm of sports because being on a sports team for me was just a great community. You know, it wasn't, you know, if you were good or bad, like there wasn't like hierarchy of any sorts. It was like, you're there with guys from, you know, your school or around and they just all want to have a good time. I, and you know, you're learning how to become a team and working on a team and seeing that from the inside and then leaving baseball, maybe, maybe you want to get back into it. So I started umpiring. Um, I think, sophomore year. So the year after I quit, I started umpiring and doing, you know, doing that for little league. And it was just really cool to be on another perspective of the game. And right around this time, I was also, you know, taking better high school classes, you know, and really figuring out that I like writing and I like talking. <laughs> I like talking a lot. Um, and I think just the mesh of that, those two was like, wow, like I have, you know, an un like unfathomable desire just to be in this realm. And I think I have a way to get there. And that's through writing, 
and consuming media and being a part of that media. And I think just the combination of all of that really just honed it in. I just, you know, <laughs> everything really. I just being seeing different perspectives of the sport and now where we are now today, I've been, you know, writing for the school and interviewing players and just being involved in Maris media. Like that is what sets the tone. I, it's what has made me want to be in sports media for a long time. It's like the sports media is one big team and everyone's just trying to get a good story out there or a good perspective and trying to make the world of sports accessible. And that for me is the coolest thing in the world. Yeah. And I think you mentioned like two points, like in particular is, you know, how you look at like things from a different perspective and you try to see like all different things. It's, you know, in sports, you can't, like bias is a huge thing of, you know, if you're a biased writer, a biased broadcaster, you don't want to, you're going to get flamed and you're going to get like, not like you can be biased in certain ways of, you know, if you're a team's broadcaster, obviously you're going to be more passionate and, you know, know more about that particular team. But, you know, one thing like I've learned through, through interviews with like sports people and, you know, they always say, you know, it comes a time where it's not something taught. It's just something you got to learn is just like, forget your bias. Don't be a fan. Just go right to the facts. And that's something like that. I appreciate, you know, people doing in the sports media field of, you know, not letting their bias get away of anything. And, you know, I find it funny. You, you mentioned like umpiring, hmm. and, you know, I was an umpire for like three or four years and, you know, I just love different perspectives, whether it be in sports whether it be just having a conversation with people, because, you know, you learn so much from other people and like to piggyback on your points, like baseball and sports in general, whether it be broadcasting it, whether it be just like with the team, it teaches you a lot about life. So like leading into my question, like what have you learned like from sports that like teaches you just about life? So I guess pertaining to sports media first, just because this has been in my head. The best advice I got while umpiring is because you're a neutral party. The best advice I got is be as invisible as possible and everything else should follow. And you, it, it sounds weird at first, but you don't want to be an issue to anyone on that field. You want to be able to manage a game. You're there to manage that game. You're supposed to, and with clear cut facts, with your best foot forward, Safer out, striker ball, fair foul, that sort of thing. Just these clear-cut sets of rules. And before every game now, which I, you know, I'm still doing, I'm still umpiring from time to time. I think to myself, how do I be as invisible as possible this game? Like, because I'll ump for teams in my town playing other towns, like my hometown. And then you have to realize you have to cut that bias out. You have to, because you want to be fair. You want to be able to manage that game for everyone. And I think I kind of try, try to translate that into, you know, be, being a part of sports media because no one wants to, no reporter wants to have like a bias tagged onto them that other people see. You want to kind of be uh, invisible in that, in, in the industry in a way where you're telling stories correctly. And, you know, obviously you need a track record and you need to be professional, but I think the best reporters in the industry tell stories that are, you know, unbiased which is, like you said, the hardest, uh, one of the hardest skills to learn. But I think after this year, just 
just being respectful of everyone's perspective is so important, uh, especially in this industry. And just trying to reach that unbiased and, you know, being that neutral party really tells you about other people's perspective. Everyone else has a different story. And, um, you know, later in this year, you know, Andrew and I, who run the podcast for Marist, we were really only talking about basketball and football because they're the bigger sports. They're what gets Marist on TV, you know, one day out of a year. Um, but we really, spring season started talking about the other sports. And we really, we had a, ep- a whole episode, or I think it was a, it was a two-parter where we set aside 20 minute segments for each of these sports that we don't talk about a lot. And we got respect perspective from the each beat writer. And that was, those were easily the best uh, episodes we had that year by far. Um, And it's just, you know, everyone has a story to tell. Every sport has a story to tell. It's just a matter of being diligent and looking for it and being unbiased. Like I sure I love reporting and talking about baseball, but that doesn't mean that women's lacrosse doesn't have an inter- interesting story. For example, Carrie Gutenberger, who was like the, probably the best player in the women's lacrosse team. I had no idea she existed until I uh, talked to Mackenzie, who was the beat writer that, that year. And we had a great conversation and I'm going to be paying attention to women's lacrosse and trying to get a better perspective. So I think the biggest thing I learned is every, yeah, everyone has a story to tell. It's just a matter of how you tell it being diligent and so this is like a question like obviously we've been talking about like bias and you know that's just a huge part of you know life and just in general but like do you ever find yourself just watching a game where like the red Sox are playing or one of your teams are playing yeah and like you lose the bias because like at least for me like when i'm just watching a game like people in my family and like people like friends and stuff are like aren't you like supposed to like that team and I'm just like, yeah, but like, you know, I look at it from like a perspective of like, as the umpire, as the announcer, like you can't be biased. So do you ever, do you ever see, do you ever have that experience? And like, what does that do for you? Like mindset wise? Oh, a hundred percent. You know, I, I, I talk a lot of crap about the Yankees, but the Yankees this year have been so good. And it's just looking at their the stats this year is is really like incredible to see that game against the Red Sox um, where they lost late because I think it was like it was a Clay Holmes pit like bad pitch, um, but yeah I don't want to bring that up, but that was the first time they lost that year after leading after seven innings, like that is they played eighty games and that's the first time that has happened that's unreal. I can appreciate the Yankees this year for just being what they're supposed to be right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and w- watching those games, even though the Red Sox are playing, they got incredible athletes that have just like, you know, I can really appreciate the Yankees pitching staff because they have consistently put out such a good bullpen and starting rotation. No matter the injuries, there's always one breakout. It's like, you know, Nestor this year has been, unreal and last year he was you know struggling to be like the fifth starter it's really incredible and um you know that's across sports all like across all sports um I, I watch a lot of football and football it's like you know 
your team plays once a week. It's not like you're, you're trying to watch as many games as possible, but I really love watching every single game I can and just, you know, identifying athletes that are really just incredible. Um, let's get to, to give a better example. I did my first basketball game. I reported on this year for Maris. It was against St. Peter's and I had no idea who St. Peter's was. I knew they were in Jersey. I had no idea who they were. And Maris got destroyed fourth quarter. They, it was, I think it was a seven point game, but excuse me, fourth quarter, they just were tired out and just absolutely just blown away by this scrappy young, not really kind of like level-headed St. Peter's team that didn't really have one breakout star. And when I wrote about this article, I was like, if a, if a high seed team plays against them, like or not like NCAA, cause I had no idea that was going to happen, but like yeah. a high seed in the Mac played mm-hmm. against them. They're going to get tired out. And that's what happened in the Mac. And that's what happened in the NCAA tournament, which I had no idea about. I still have that ticket from that game because I kept it. I was like, this is the first game we report on. This is really cool. I'll keep this not knowing what would happen. And it's those stories. It's like, wow, St. Peter's just destroyed my college's team. And they don't have any breakout stars. And they just went on to play UNC in the final four. Or Elite Eight, right? Yeah. Elite, elite eight, eight, yeah. yeah. Elite eight, elite eight. So it's stories like that where it's like, wow, you can really just appreciate a good athlete, a good coach, and a good strategy when you're playing when in a sport. It's it's you have to in this business, you have to appreciate that. And so, you know, how was COVID? Because you know, everybody with broadcasting, their COVID experience is, you know, completely different. People, you know, I feel like COVID was good for certain people because it taught them, you know, a lot about themselves. And like, at least from my perspective, like I was able to do more broadcasting and, you know, mm, yeah. I, got, I got my ego up a little bit. So, <laughs> you know, how is, how is COVID life? Like not necessarily like personally, cause you know, everybody goes through like the battles, but like when you're talking about from a broadcasting perspective, like what did it do for you? Well, right at the start of COVID, I wasn't really doing too much broadcast. I'm mostly writing. I was doing a lot of writing, especially I was taking a journalism class that year. Um, my junior year of high school, I was taking just journalism one. But I loved my journalism teacher. She was great. And I, we still talk. Um, she, I credit a lot of her, you know, kindness and wisdom towards my own writing style. It really, it's how I got my writing chops. And when COVID happened, I was like, that was one of the classes I, I was going to miss in person. Like, wow. I was going into a room every day where with, it was a small class. It was eight people where I got to talk just how to become a better. Yeah. It's, it was great though. How to talk a better about becoming a better writer and telling interesting stories. And that's something I care about. You know, you take all these high school classes and it's like, I don't want to, I don't care that I'm missing out pre-calc. I'll, you know, it helped out my grade. So, but journalism I cared about. And during COVID, I st- she set up my prof- or professor, my teacher set up a really good program that, you know, still let us, you know, write a story every other week um, just by, you know, instead of doing in-person interviews, just doing email interviews and whatnot. And that for me was a really good experience. Out of the, the a lot of lows happened for me in COVID, just like kind of hit a rut not really sure what I, what I wanted to do, wanted to, you know, see my friends again and do all that. But 
that for me was uh, kind of just like, I knew that I was going to be able to write a story every other week and improve my writing skills. And I got great feedback on those stories that year. And then from there, what took journalism to senior year of high school, which my, se- my high school was in person the entire year. It was, I, I would go to a smaller high school, but it was pretty incredible. None of the other schools around were doing that. Um, we, we shut down from Thanksgiving to Christmas just because of travel. But mm-hmm. even then, I took those skills that I learned, you know, sitting at home, writing stories on my computer and emailing people and applied it into the next year of journalism, which really uh, how it worked was the journalism one, you had to write a story about basically every topic and journalism two, you kind of pick a topic to talk about. So obviously I picked sports and talked about my high school uh, sports and it was a great time. I learned a lot that class and it really made me, you know, kind of fortified in my skills and was like, okay, I really want to do this when I'm older. So I think that was the biggest takeaway for me was like, however many lows I hit in COVID, which, you know, I'm fortunate enough where it wasn't really that bad. Like I, I think about it now and it's like, it wasn't that drastic for me. I was in a great situation, but um, out of all the personal things that were going on, that one, the journalism really was just a stability for me. And it really trans, you know, transformed into what I want to do in the future. And so this is going to be a two-part question for you. So what are the significance of sports in your life? And like, who do you look up to? like in the sports media field? Oh, great. Two great questions. Um, sports has always been my getaway. I think it is for a lot of people. Uh, any hobby really is a getaway for a lot of people. But um, I have basically gone to a game at Fenway for the past 12 years of my life other than COVID. Well, actually, yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, that COVID year, I went to uh, – a game at uh or not that year but the year after i only went to two games and that was one red sox and one mets um but my dad who grew up in uh long island kind of who was who is still the biggest mets fan i know also kind of transformed into a red sox fan when, when we my family moved out to new hampshire and kind of that growing that experience with him and just like we followed this team together from start from, you know, I mean, he saw them play in 2004. I didn't cause I was one, but from like really from 2013 on, I got such a good relationship with my dad about just like, we had that to talk about all the time and it never got old. And I really appreciate it. Um, you know, those conversations and be, becoming a sports fan with my dad. That was, you know, so big in my life. And then it's something I can relate to with all my friends. You know, all my friends, most of my friends are big sports fans. And um, we, I still play, you know, I don't play baseball or anything anymore, but I am an avid disc golfer. Um, I disc golf probably every other day. And I do that with my friends. I know it's like, it's, it's a kind of like a weird sport, but that I also picked up in COVID because there was nothing to do, but it was outside. Um, I picked that up in high school. Me and all my friends joined the bowling team as a joke. And then all of a sudden, senior year, 
I was the number one bowler in New Hampshire for two weeks, <laughs> um, which was super cool, but also just kind of humbling because like it showed that, you know, I, I was not even like trying at first. And then I'm just there with my friends and we're just having fun and we become dedicated. My friends and I, we really just like sports is so big to us because it's something we can all talk about. It's the same thing with my dad and my family. You know, sports is something we can always talk about. I'm the only Red Sox fan in my family. My family from New York, all Yankees fans. They all, Both my mom and dad grew up on Long Island. So talking to them while I'm a Red Sox fan, it's like, oh, we're so disappointed in you. But also, it's cool because that's that's the beauty of sports. It's like I can pick what team to support, and the conversation's still going to be there. And the significance of sports to me is just like rooting. It's something like always substantial in family life and in life with my friends. So I'd say for, for significance, that's how I'd answer that. But as far as figures in sports media, hmm. Well, I, I said, I mentioned John Boy. He was like the first sports media celebrity I met. Um, most recently, I shook Bob Costas' hand, which was one of the coolest moments in my life. And at that event uh, for the Center of Sports Communication, where they gave Bob Costas the Lifetime Achievement Award, I met Bob Weir um, of ESPN. I met Christine Brennan of U USA Today Sports. Um, I met all these really cool sports figures that they just saw the passion in the students there and they just wanted to network. They were, they really just wanted to talk to us about how to network and how to, um, how to approach this industry in a, in a positive mindset way, because it's tough, but Christine Brennan, who I talked to the most easily at that event, she just, you know, she fortified that making those connections and, uh, making it, having a big network in this industry is what's going to set you apart. And that I can really appreciate. So shout out Christine Brennan, um, for that, those words of advice. I recently read a book by uh, Boston Globe writer, Alex Spire called, uh, what's the name of the book? It's a recent book he wrote about the Red Sox from 2013 to 2018. And it's really just a one big article about how the Red Sox transformed from, you know, a 2013, 2013 team uh, that was kind of like old and scrappy and they really were not expected to win the World Series at all. And then these kind of down years where they went from last to first to last to last again and how the farm system, like it was a lot of talk about the farm system and like internal affairs. And that I crave, I love reading about that stuff. Like it's all these different perspectives about how, how Rafael Devers from the Dominican, just who's just a smiley, chubby little boy playing who can hit dingers is now on the, an all-star and the face of the Red Sox, like how that happens and those internal stories. Um, it was one of the best, better books I've ever read in the sports media field. So any, any writer that can, you know, take a, a team and make it really interesting, not just for me, but for the general public. That's what I appreciate. Um, so a lot of Boston Globe writers, Dan Shaughnessy, um, Alex Spire, um, got Bob Ryan, who was Celtics writer for a while. 
Um, I read his book. It was great. Um, but you know, I'm not that new England bias is there, but I love their storytelling styles and I could go on and on about them. You know, a couple points that I want to mention first is, you know, you mentioned like being in kind of like a split family, Red Sox, Yankees. That's kind of like where my family's at as hmm. well. Uh, my brother is a Red Sox fan. I'm a Yankees. My dad's a Yankees. Oh, no but, way. But, you know, <laughs> but guess what? You know, most of my family is Cardinals fans because mm. we do have relatives out in St. Louis. And, yeah. you know, we went to a game and I saw you from a distance, but obviously, yeah. you know, we didn't get to talking. But, you know, moving on a little bit, you mentioned like the Bob Costas, you know, thing. Like just briefly talk about like, how is that experience just seeing and meeting all these different people from all, you know, stretches of the world? Well, first off, if I wasn't sitting on the exact opposite end of the stadium, also I was two levels up, you were in the, you know, the concourse. If we, if that, if we were that far apart, I totally would have gone over but Fenway is like a maze. So it some is. parts of Fenway are just so confusing. That's what happens when you keep an old, old stadium, which I love, but you know, there are more modern state. Like I love, I love city field city fields, pro like designed better. Fenway's just there because, you know, even though the seats don't even face home plate, it's like, it's a part of history. So, but anyway, um, the Bob Costas event. So Jane McManus, who is the former now former head of the sports communication department. Uh, she went to Seton hall um, to pursue the sports communication there she kind of pioneered the entire uh, center for sports communication and kind of her last hurrah was giving this award to Bob Costas, which was supposed to happen last year during COVID. And then it got canceled just because obviously you can't do that, especially when you're talking about Bob Costas. Um, so this opportunity came out where sports comp students could volunteer um, to go to this event and just meet and greet Um you know, meet and greet the regular cocktail guests, meet and greet people at the door, meet and greet people in the green room, which is what I ended up doing, which was, yeah. Um, but anyway, this opportunity came up. It really came up to me in center field. We, uh, we were having a meeting and Jane uh, was like, Hey guys, by the way, this is happening. You should uh, consider it. So I put my name in the email and I didn't hear anything back. Um, and I talked to Jane in person and she was like, yeah, we're spots are filling up. Um, but I think one person can't do it or two people can't do it. So two more spots are going to open up. And then a week later, I got the email that I was going and I was like, let's go. This is, this is not only a chance to meet Bob Costas, it's a chance to network. And that was really the biggest thing from that I got from that. Um, I networked with people that have already made a living plus in the industry. Um, Freddie Coleman was there. Who was our, one of our professors at Marist, but and I had talked to him before, but he was the first person that arrived. And I talked to Freddie for a while. We were just, just about life, you know, where I lived in New Hampshire and like how he's been up there and been to Maine. But we also talked about like just his classes moving forward. And now I'm in Freddie's class for podcasting next semester, which I am ecstatic about um, because the slots you know, you know, the, sl the slots fill up so much um, and they're really for juniors and seniors, but I had a really good conversation and we worked it out. Um, Bob 
you know, as there were a ton of, you know, donators there and funders of Marist. So when Bob shows up to the green room, when I'm interviewing everyone or just you know, not interviewing, but meeting greeting with everyone, not just like not only the reporters, but regular guests, the entire room shifts towards Bob when he walks in, who's got this big mask on. And he said it's because his wife told him to wear the mask because um, she didn't want to catch him in a picture without a mask. But Bob walks in the room and I'm standing with a few of my friends, um, Jonathan, who is the head editor of center field. Um, and Brit, um, it was Jonathan and Mackenzie and I think it was Brit Bridget. Yeah. Yeah. So all four of us were there and I was standing next to Bob Casas, this short little man for 10 minutes. And I couldn't say anything to him because he's Bob Costas. You're not, you can't just go over and be like, be like, Hey Bob, what's up? Yeah. I really, you had to wait until he wanted to talk to the students and Christine Brennan, who I talked to um, earlier. And she had talked to a lot of us earlier was like, Bob, these are the Marist students that are here, you know, volunteering for the event. And I shook Bob's hand and I said, Bob, I, I don't even know what to say. I've been watching you on MLB network since I was probably nine which I didn't realize was going to be a bad thing to say because Bob goes nine. I started at MLB network when I was 65, you know, in his Bob Costas voice. So I backhandedly called Bob Costas old as the only time I'm going to talk to him, but it was still an awesome conversation. Like it was coolest moment of my life. He laughed really hard. He, he gave a big smile, shook my hand. Um, but that was one of the coolest events I've ever been to. The ceremony was really nice. MLB Network sent a video to talk to him. And um, um, uh, one of those uh, famous documentary uh, guy that made the baseball documentary, um, yeah. Ken Burns sent a video and it was okay. really cool. And his words were incredible. Yeah. You know, and one thing you mentioned, you know, about the Bob Costas thing, which I find quite insulting, you know, being, <laughs> being a guy who's short, Come on, come <laughs> yeah. on, come on. Yeah. You know, Bob Costas is the same height as me. You see, that's funny. Do you know what, do you know what? So yeah, he walked into the room. I mean, what do you expect like to meet your heroes? They, you expect them to be like this tall. And then he walks in the room and I was like, wow, he really is that short. Huh? And then, but um, you know, it's, you know, it's even funnier. I had no idea Bob Costas had the same birthday as me. And I didn't know till after. And That's I didn't sick. say anything. I didn't say anything though. I had the I had the perfect opportunity. Instead of calling him old, I could have been like, Bob, we got the same birthday. <laughs> and then he would have been like, Oh, wonderful. But hey, I uh I'll treasure that forever. That was oh I, it was awesome. Super cool. Yo, and you know, and one thing like I love, you know, about Bob Costas is you look at all the broadcasters, you look at all the journalists and, you know, not to be like discriminatory or anything, but yeah. there's not a lot of short broadcasters out there just yeah. in general. And, you know, I get it. Like there's Sean McDonough who's on the shorter side too. And, you know, I just love it when I see just like <laughs> someone of my stature, just like succeeding because, you know, that's like what pushes me because, you know, throughout, well, I feel like our lives, you see a typical broadcaster and you're yeah. like, okay, they're like six feet, you know, and like every single person, you know, differs in race or whatever. But, you know, there's a stereotypical broadcaster type of thing where, you know, they're basically, let's be honest, they kind of look like you. And Yeah, I, I mean, 
Wow, that really oh, I'm blushing, Derek. Um, yeah, I was gonna say like pays to be six one. I'm not just gonna put it out there. But Bob has this effect of being the tallest person in the room as the shortest. And it just the way he like he is one of the most confident yet humble journalists in the field because I don't know, they showed a lot of clips during the event. Um, one of his producers, I think from NBC was there and they made a compilation of like his best sports clips easily. Um, and there's the stuff he talks about with um, the Sochi Olympics and how we had an Olympics in Russia or at the time they were, you know, invading foreign countries, which happened again. Um, but Bob talks about this and he's not afraid. He, he doesn't care that he's, you know, reporting on Russia and that this could ruin ties in Russia forever. He just knows what he, he knows his truth and he knows what his journalistic responsibility is. Um, there's an interview out there with him and Vince McMahon. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Which I'm sure you've seen, but you know, Vince being the just scumbag <laughs> Vince McMahon he is, is you know, Bob is pest peppering it with questions that he doesn't want to answer. And he can't avoid them because Bob is like so he the way he asks questions, like it makes you have to answer them because if you don't answer them, it sounds even worse, right? So he just has that effect of being the, you know, the tallest person in the room. And the, my favorite clip from that event was, I think it was right after the 97 or the MJ's last finals, okay. they gave Bob a monologue. He's like, he goes, he was the, he was the, the play-by-play on that game. Mm-hmm. So they gave him a monologue afterwards and it's, I think it's like five to 10 minutes, him unscripted, just talking about MJ's le- legacy. That's and he, there's no, no teleprompter. And he does not say a single like, um, but, and he just, he, it, he was a movie script. It was the most beautifully thing ever said in, in the sport of basketball. And he didn't use a teleprompter and that's incredible. Yeah. And I think at least from my perspective, like when you mentioned like teleprompter, when I use a teleprompter, I feel like I would say the ums, the likes more often than if it was just no script. So that's just mm-hmm. my preference, but that's oh, how true. like that's how I would, you know, think of it. But mm. you know, getting in a little bit, wh- who would you say is the biggest like either the a thing or just someone? What would you say is the biggest impact on your life? My dad. Easy. Um my, actually both my dad and my mom. Easy. Um, my mom, I mean, my parents are the best. My mom showed me kindness and just, you know, she got it from her mom, my grandmother, who was lovely. Um, just how to be kind, how to always make someone laugh. Um, and just caring, you know, every mother care, every good mother cares, but my mom, you know, took the, 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 you know, steps above and beyond expectations and just, you know, still would make lunch for me time to time when I go to work. And like that kindness is something I definitely need in, in, in my life going forward. I I need to put that as um, an assertion in my life, just how to, 
how to show someone kindness no matter where they come from and no matter what situation um i i'm in so that's for my mom my dad you know the sports aspect that was a big thing but also my dad taught me how to just be direct and and you know really how to be professional how how to get do something right how to not half-ass it you know he was my little league coach I want to say four out of the eight years I was doing it for a few of them, my head coach. And he, even though I was, you know, frustrated, he never got mad at me for, you know, not hitting some, not doing something well. He would, you know, give me advice, but he, if I, I know, I knew I was a bad player. He didn't care. Um, he, and he really kept me going. Um, when I switched to rowing in high school, I, I was, I was rowing for my high school. Um, and he really was the one that pushed that he, you know, became, you know, a big part of the team. I kind of helped organize the team, um, with, cause it was, it was pretty new, but he was on the board and through him, I became the captain of the team my senior year. And it's stuff like that, where it's just like, no matter what I wanted to pursue, he backed it up. And I hope I can do, do the same thing for my kids in the future. So just his unriddled, just unrivaled um, pursuance of my dreams is unmatched. And then what would you say to wrap things up? What is one thing you want people to know about you? Well, I know I talk too much. Um, that's definitely one thing. I think, you know, I mean, you probably know when you start out doing podcasting, I think the, the first two or three episodes suck. They suck. Not, and it's not like, like the first ones you do, they suck because you just don't know what direction you're really going to go in until you're actually talking and letting your voice navigate the conversation. Um, but I have, you know, doing this has made, has humbled me into, you know, appreciating the greats of podcasting. You know, I try to, you know, listen to a new form of media um, every day. And yeah, I'm, I, I know I, I am definitely a, a confident person, but this industry is tough. It's not easy. That's something I want everyone else to know. It's not easy to get your own voice out there. Um, about me personally, I find myself very approachable. Um, I like, I get that from my parents and, you know, I want to tell stories that make other people feel moved. And, you know, I like, sure. Doing covering being a beat writer for a game is cool. Like, but there's always a, a deeper story than that. Like you can tell, you can say the stats, like Jawatuka shot, you know, put up 35 points a game. But the story you're going to tell that night is how it was senior night and the energy in the marriage gym was unlike anything seen that year. It's those stories I want to tell. So I think the biggest thing I want people to know is that sports telling and storytelling is so much more important than those scores at the end of the day. But those scores and those stats help tell a story and a narrative for the entire sports year. You know, and one thing 
is like you talk about confidence like in yourself and you know for me like I wouldn't consider myself to be too confident but when I am confident I'm I'm too cocky like I'm really cocky but yeah you know moving on and Maris is on the map Sam McNamara, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So Sam has gone to two Yankees games this year. Of course he has. The first one was Christian Javier. No hitter. Oh, dude, I saw that. He was on, for our fantasy, he was not on um, anybody's roster. And he dropped 39. How many people do you have in your roster? It's only eight. Oh, wow. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. I think it was 10. That's guaranteed. Like he's got it. And that entire yeah. Astro staff. He's on my together. team now. Yeah. And but, um, swapping. but the second game Sam went to was the first game against the Reds. <laughs> so he picked probably the two worst Yankees games you could go to all year. Um, uh, I disagree. Okay. Okay. The game against the Red Sox. Oh yeah. Well, we can talk about that's that the, later. That's the we, worst game of the year. We can talk about that later. We will talk about that later. I'm really excited to talk about that later. How Jeter is just like, Jeter is back. He's back. Okay. That, that's, that's, de- we'll talk about Jeter too. Don't yeah. you? All right. Well, in the meantime, let's quickly go over just the NBA. So what are your thoughts on the NBA? We got, you know, a couple. This of is great. This is a crazy off season. First off, this is, I mean, it hasn't even begun because KD and Kyrie are sitting, sitting ducks. Um, there's a lot of, I think the top, the hottest topic right now is Donovan Mitchell. I don't know. Knicks, if baby. Seen, I don't know if you've seen some of the mock trades that people I have. are throwing out there. Six first round picks. Oh, Donovan Mitchell is going to, it's going to be, and you know, the, you know, those trades, six yeah. first round picks and RJ Barrett. Yeah. And, and Obi Toppin and Emmanuel click quickly. It's like, it's like you're training on your whole, like, it's just going to be Donovan Mitchell by himself with Julius Randall, who's just. No, the worst. J- what do you mean? We got Jalen Brunson. Oh, sorry. You spent a hundred million dollars on Jalen Brunson. Meanwhile, we, the Celtics signed Malcolm Brogdon hurt. What do you mean? You know, he could, he might be the, he might be off the bench. He isn't. Uh, okay. I think if he's off the bench. I'm going to laugh. Okay. And do you know what's funny, though? You're not even like – that's not even out of the realm of possibility. I think Brad Stevens literally was talking to him and was like, hey, so you might be a sixth man. And then he was like, all right. Like, I – looking at their, the Celtics, like, they need someone to lead their offense. And they got their guy. They got Brockton. I mean, that's like the – probably the best cost-efficient – Trey, that's probably, I mean, they didn't really give up too much. They give it Neesmith. He's not a point guard. Brogdon? Brogdon's yeah, not a point guard. Yeah, he is. He's a combo guard. Yeah, but he's, he's like, he's not a facilitator. But he throws up, he throws up 19, eight and like seven last year. Yeah, but he could totally facilitate. He's not a point guard. He's a point and, guard. No, so this is fine. So this is what I was talking to. Okay. I have a buddy, Celtics, and okay. I was like, okay. You know, the Celtics, Brogdon's not a point guard. And he actually agreed with me. And okay. he said, you know, in the NBA, there's no true point guard. I agree. And he said that the Celtics don't need a true point guard 
They just need someone who can facilitate a little bit. They need what they needed was a third, a real third scorer and someone that can facilitate a little. I think they're going to move. Brogdon is still like he's not old. They can move him into a bigger facilitator role, and I don't think it will hurt them. I think that's what they're trying to do. It's what everyone in New England media has been talking about what he's going to do. He's not, he's going to be a better facilitator than Marcus Smart. Oh, I agree completely. <laughs> but I think you mentioned a point that I want to get, I want to get right on. Let's, you know, let's talk about it. You said Brogdon, you know, you got one as Tate. I think Tatum is the number one option for an NBA championship team. Mm-hmm. Jalen Brown. Yeah. That's, that's a question mark. Is he a two or is he a three? As and then, far as like, like scoring option. Oh, like for an NBA championship okay. team. Okay. That's and I fair. think, and I think Brogdon's a three minus. Yeah. I like that. Um, Jalen Brown. Uh, I, I think love Brogdon's, Jay. I think Brogdon's actually a four for yeah. scoring option. I think he's got, he's probably going to be the three. You're going to see that we're going to see what, what kind of role they're going to put him. If he's a six man, he's going to be a four. If he's, if he, they mesh him into like, the point guard role they want him, he could definitely be the three. I, I, I he's got scoring promise. He's just got to stay healthy. Um, Jalen Brown is, I love him. I'm biased. I love him. He averaged, I think, 22 in the, the playoffs. You know, he was more consistent than Tatum by far on point, like, yeah, game after game. yeah I mean, he's he, more consistent, but is he better? No, right. No, he's not better. Tatum obviously has the, the, bigger upside by far. Um, but Jalen Brown is also a defensive wizard and the Celtics pride themselves on defense. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were the number one defense last year other than, and then the Warriors were two. So they played, I think playing the Warriors in the finals as their first finals was probably a good thing. They're because not, not as like, you're going to win this, but as experience wise goes, because I think the warriors, this is a hot, this is a hot, I'll give you a hot take. Okay. I think the warriors are overrated. I think Steph Curry might be one of the greatest point guards to ever live. Okay. Clay, I'm going to keep listening. Clay is one of the best shooters to ever live, Mm -hmm. but I've never been a fan of Draymond green. Oh, well, I've, yeah, but but he's he's a solid power forward, but I think their bench is not as good as everybody advertises it, and I don't think like Wiggins is a guy where I used to like him, but I don't like him anymore, and like I don't see their team as a complete roster. Like it just yeah, seems, sure, like, but did you see Wiggins in the play. finals? Yeah, okay. Wiggins completely took over the Kevin Durant role. Completely, it like made you can't Kevin say Durant. completely. Okay, but like they won. Against. No, I, I agree. They won. I'm not saying that the Warriors are okay, not com- good. Okay, not completely, but he, he filled the shoes as best as possible. He, what, had like 20 points and 10 boards every night? Okay. That, that is what, clutch. K- that's what KD used to do. And uh, a little more, obviously. It's, Ke- it's Kevin Durant. They, they didn't miss him. They did not miss a single – they didn't miss a single step without Kevin Durant. Yeah, but what I'm saying is I'm not saying that, you know, I don't think they have the depth. And I think okay. that's what's that's to me what makes them an overrated team is when I look at the NBA and I look at basketball, I and one thing that I don't want the Knicks to do 
is I don't want you to trade like six guys for one player. Yeah. I'd rather trade you have you trade picks in one or two guys and get a player instead of, you know, get rid of their role players uh-huh. for a guy. And to me, I think you need a complete roster. And I think that's one thing with the Celtics that's working. They yep. have a complete roster. Oh, you might not have, probably, have the number two yeah. or three, but you have a better complete roster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, in theory, the Celtics should have won. In theory, on paper, Celtics could have won. They're, they're benched. I mean, you. but I think the Warriors, the Warriors were cycling out less guys than the Celtics, right, mm-hmm. in those finals. It was really only Looney. Well, off your bench, it's like Looney. Uh, crap, I don't know. It, they were cycling out less guys, yeah. right? And the Celtics were. And to the Warriors, it didn't really matter because if you have Steph Curry out there, yeah. It don't matter. The exactly. only game that Steph did bad, they still lost. Or the, the Celtics still lost. I still believe in rest. I do too, but like look at the war look at the Warriors player management in the finals. And like they weren't even phased. They weren't even phased by the Celtics. It's it's incredible. Like they the fair the, enough. It the Warriors are because I Again, this could be another hot take. Like they are approaching the Bulls as far as dynasties go. I know, and I know, I know that's crazy. <gasps> I know that's crazy. I know, but so you just mentioned that you okay, think the I, Golden I State Warriors. I know. It, okay, if you're comparing, if you're comparing, if you want to talk about wins and losses okay. in championships oh, to the Golden State the finals, Warriors, yeah. yeah, then okay, but. If you're comparing the overall team, look at how many players from the Chicago Bulls team that left. They stayed together. Yep. When you're yeah, talking no, about fair. a dynasty, I can I look at a team. When I talk about dynasties and yep. all of sports, I talk about the core four. Okay. Like that's that might sound stupid, but guys who stick together. Who's sticking together on the Golden State Warriors right now besides Steph Curry, Clay Thompson? And Draymond Green, Andre Iguodala. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm 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 I am joking. Um, no, that's fair. I, I from that perspective, I totally that makes sense. If we're talking about core team, like, oh my god, like, yeah, Scotty and Scotty and Jordan and 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 Dennis and and Kerr. and Kerr, like they all stayed they had together. pieces too. I don't remember all the names on that team. Yeah, but, but they they, had... stayed, they did stay together, and that's a good point. I think. For me, it was like you look at the team, you look at the Warriors, and the fact I just like the fact that they were able to win without Kevin Durant twice is pretty unreal. I I feel like like they I I think the Warriors as a team, they're in and out so many pieces. They went from last to winning the championship in two years, and I know it was injuries, but look, that's an incredible feat. Underrated player. On okay. the Golden State Warriors could be on the move, depending if they get KD back, which I yeah. don't think they should get KD back because that's just downright stupid. Yeah, that'd be funny. Um, I, I'm I'm leaving a blank. Help me out. The power forward, Wiseman. Wiseman. Well, I don't know if you can. Okay, he's I, underrated. Um, yeah, he's underrated because everyone shits on him for being like for being injured. Yeah, he looks great in the summer league right now. It's the summer league. He looks great. Uh, he was really good um, that that year. They were god awful. 
Um, but yeah, he, he well he was hurt for like he's hurt, was hurt the whole year, right? Yeah, uh, from the he might have been playing like a little bit, but I don't think he ever played when all three guys were healthy. I don't think he'll be on the move. He's too young. I, I really well, I, no, that's in the scenario of them getting KD back. Okay, like on the way back. So, like for instance, if KD gets goes to Golden State, Wiseman would be going to the Nets or something like that. Okay, how about this, real quick, just to kind of branch off where in your mind where's KD going? Okay, so I talked about this on episode on earlier episodes okay katie well this yeah. changes things because i had this was my original plan but my plan is the suns thank you yeah and then they to just the suns got for Aiden. Aiden, Aiden and mikhail bridges would have been what i thought all along that changes things with what yeah. happens with Aiden. uh katie i have no clue Kyrie, i think is going to the lakers and i think donovan mitchell is going to the new york knicks and look this is the package that Donovan Mitchell for the Knicks, and I think it's going to do it. Now, it's going to be tough for me because I'm a big fan of this guy. I think six first-round picks, Emmanuel quickly. Okay. And the guy the Jazz love from reports, and okay. I love him too, Quentin Grimes. And then that you're going to have to – price. I, and, then, I think- and then you're going to have to put in Evan Fournier or Julius Randle. And if you're the Jazz, who would you be taking, Evan Fournier or Julius Randle? I would take Julius Randle because it's Randall, lower. Yeah. And if I'm the Knicks, I'd rather trade Julius Randle. And I think Julius Randle goes out in that deal. Okay. And I love – I yeah. I don't love that deal because you have to get rid of Quentin Grimes. Yeah. If you take Quentin Grimes out of that deal, I love that deal for the New York Knicks. Love it. Okay. Here's – so I've been looking on Twitter and I, I've seen all these mocks and I'm like, whoa, that would change two teams very fast. Um, so Donovan Mitchell's on a, on a max contract, right? He's, I think he's got four uh, years It's going to be his first year of his max. Yeah. So he's making 30 mil. That's why the salary would have to work. Here's my he's question 25. to you. And I, I, I just want is he really worth six first round, six first round Hold picks? Hold up. So quick, quick thing about the six first round picks. Okay. Um, in the six first round picks, they have eight eight picks that are tradable. Okay. Out of their eleven first round picks for the next however many years. Yeah. That trade that they did, you know, in that first round, they traded back like they didn't yeah. pick at eleven. Yep. Yeah. So I would throw all of those picks okay. in there. Those are all conditional picks. Right. Yeah. And I, because I think oh, those okay, are so that's not three even or that four. Bad. That's not even and that bad. two and two of the Knicks picks. Okay. Because what, if you're talking the, about all eight picks, yeah. the Knicks can't trade. The Knicks have four – like, of the eight picks that they have, like, can trade, yeah. it's four conditional and four of their own. I'm pretty sure. The is thing the, is – Is the conditional pick, like, if, it, if it's, like, a top three lottery pick or whatever? It's, like, top 10, top yeah. 11. And yeah. then it's, like, oh, if it's not that, you get a first-rounder later, blah, 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 yeah, blah, blah, right. blah. So I would do that. Those are my six first-round picks. What I've been hearing, though, if you're doing six-round picks, is you have to give up four unprotected of the Knicks and two of the conditional. And, you know, if you're talking six first-round picks of unprotected New York Knicks picks, then I agree with you. That's too much. Yeah. But if you're talking about two and four, I love that. Love it. Because you're talking, if you get Donovan Mitchell on the Knicks for the next two years – your picks are not going to be, you know, top of 
top yeah, tier. That's true. I, I, I do see that now. Like I did not know the unconditional picks. That's something I didn't know. Um, that kind of changes things. I, if they were six straight up picks, hell no, definitely not. I, 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 I think max, if you're talking picks, yeah, like straight up, like unprotected. Cause I don't know on the Rudy Gobert trade, if all those four picks, I don't know. Picks, I, that's actually, I can't remember if that's, at, uh, uh, if that's unprotected, but whatever, if you're talking, this would be a max and this is unprotected Knicks picks Yeah, four unprotected Knicks okay. picks. If, if they have to have all unprotected for yeah. this would be my max offer. I would give in the conditional picks. That's just me for a Mac for first round unprotected picks. Grimes. Uh, Emmanuel quickly. I'm not giving up Grimes. If I'm okay. giving up for quickly yeah. and then Randall, I love Quentin Grimes. Yeah. What he's a shooting two? guard. Yeah. He's a shooting two. guard. So, so a little backstory on Quinn Grimes, and then we'll move on to, you know, Yankees, Red yeah. Sox. Um, Quinn Grimes, first year, went to Kansas, Kansas, yeah. KU, okay? He was going to go – he declared for the draft, did not sign it with an agent, did not get drafted. Okay. I thought he would have been drafted in the second round, and at that point in time, I was kind of hoping the Knicks would draft him. Doesn't get drafted. Yep. Transfers to Houston. Okay. Okay, he's with Houston, declares again, doesn't sign with an agent. Same thing, undrafted. Okay. Goes back to Houston, gets Houston in the tournament and make noise, and he's the reason Houston did well in the tournament. They're the five seed, I want to say, and they got to like the Sweet 16 or something like that. Yeah. He was the reason that they actually could score points, and, you know, after he left – Houston hasn't been able to score. They've been very solid defensively, yeah. but not been able to score. Then he gets drafted by the New York Knicks. Okay. So that's that's on Quentin Grimes. And, you know, we'll move on to, you know, hot topics. This is going to be interesting to see. Yeah. You know, the Yankees, Red Sox. <laughs> you know, you're a Red Sox guy. I'm a, I got a Yankee yeah. pen right here. So yeah. obviously everybody knows I'm a Yankee guy. I was, I was thinking about putting a backdrop or something on, on my ping, my standing on ping pong table, but I, you know, if I didn't blur my background, you would see all the Yankees merch in you here. You can keep it blurred, but uh, I yeah. figured, and I'm wearing red, so it doesn't. Yeah. So well. you just helped me out really. And I'm wearing like tan. So just saying pretty neutral, but um, before we get into this, I just got to say, condolences on that last series but you could easily wipe the floor with us in the series so okay that's that's fair um last time i checked the standings i'm not too concerned and you know before we actually dive in deep into this you know i hate espn not espn but like the broadcasters on espn yes anything they're like oh the yankees are gonna win the division dude we're halfway there like are you serious right now the yeah. Yankees are up 10 plus games and you're telling me they have it in the bag. Like, are you serious? Severino just gets hurt. Like, yeah. come on. You can't be telling me that the New York Yankees are a lock to make the playoffs right now. You can't say that because I've seen time and time again, the Orioles, I get it. The Yankees are not <laughs> the Orioles, oh my God. but the Orioles have been God awful in the second half. Don't be telling me the Yankees are a lock because yeah. Yankees fans are like me right now. They're yeah. passionate and they're angry. And I'm not happy with that. But let's yeah. get into it. Yankees, okay. Red Sox. 
first of all, Red Sox, Rafael Devers, that's the guy. You know, one thing I want to mention, that's a guy who, you know, I, I, I don't like Rafael Devers, but I don't hate him. And, yeah. you know, the Red Sox have Devers and, you know, they got other pieces, but let's be honest, the, you know, l- let's look at it from a broad, broad standpoint of both teams. Okay. Okay. Red Sox need pitching. That's an understatement. Um, they need, they could use a starter. They could use another relief. They could use four relievers. Um, I wouldn't so, say four. Okay, well, well they, I'm saying that it would help. I, they're not going to, they're going to get one. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What? You know, the Red Sox need starting pitching. You can't have just relievers. Okay. And this is sales back and he pitched well. He pitched well. Sale pitched well. He did. Okay. You know, once you talk about sale, yeah, that brings up the question, you know, Severino, he pitched 27 and a thirds of an inning for the past three years, 88 innings pitched this year and he had a dead arm. So if you're the Red Sox now, if you're the Red Sox, you got to be careful. Okay. What's sale? Because yeah. I think sales good, but I well, here's the, the difference. The difference is sales injury was a broken rib. It's still an injury. Yeah, but he was out yeah, for a no, while. They, and they they are going to be really careful. They were they're not going to let him go more than five innings. I think for a while. Um, I mean, you saw all the press with his start in Worcester. Um, oh, oh, which, against him in Peraza. Yeah, I was watching that, and I was like, Peraza, come on, come on, Peraza, come on, yeah. Peraza. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of there's you know we're gonna start to see some trades soon. Um, the Red Sox need another reliever. I the fact that they're they're getting carried in the pen by John Schreiber, who got All Star snubs too. Um. John Shriver came out of Detroit from nowhere and has a 0.6 ERA and I think a 0.6 whip. So that saved us because I, they, what they'll, the Sox do is they put him in. He's not a closer. They, we, we don't have a good closer. Talk is our closer, but he's a starter. He is a starter. They decided to flip flop Talk in Whitlock's roles. And how did that work out for you? Not at well at all. Like <laughs> not well at all. I wish I wish they kept Whitlock as closer and I wish they worked with Tanner Houck and maybe like a long reliever role. But mm-hmm. anyway, um, so yeah, Schreiber, what Schreiber does is he goes in against the top three guys in the, in the, the order. It doesn't matter if it's the sixth, seventh or eighth, he'll go in pitch against those three guys. And like more than 90% of the time he's gotten all three out or like, or he, he doesn't give up a run. Okay. So that is huge. That has been yep. an X factor for the Red Sox. That is how they stayed in those two games, the two later games um, against the Yankees. But the rest of the bullpen, let, let me give you a rundown. <laughs> Ryan Brazier, who is washed. Yes. Yes. I love Brazier. Yeah. I love Brazier. Uh, the buzzsaw. Otherwise known as Hirokazu Zaramora, who is not good, not great. Well, I uh, see. See, he's great against the Yankees. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. So, but they need, like, and they got, you know, Darvin Hernandez, who's, uh, and then they DFA'd Hansel because Hansel was not good at all, just doing his usual point up to the sky. Um, Hauk is just 
such a mystery, you know, uh, I, I hope he's, I hope he settles in because after the whole Toronto series, like everyone was kind of bashing him for not being vexed, um, which, you know, you can have your opinions, but they, they had two blown saves in that series. So that was, uh, it was pretty much a big part of his fault. Um, yeah, and, and, you know, before you go on, yeah. uh, you know, I try to keep politics aside, but you yeah. know, that brings up an interesting point on, you know, not being, you know, vaccinated. Yeah. You know, the big point I want to mention is guess what? Nobody would have cared if the Red Sox didn't blow two saves. No, no one would have cared. And that's, see, that's what irritates me as a person who, you know, I like sports and sports bring people together. Yeah. I'm not someone who wants to, you know, oh, you're this side. Oh, you're, you're this side. Yeah, like, exactly. why? Like, that's not, that's not who I am. Like, how can I have whatever reasons for what he, he, his, you know, how can I have, he can have whatever reasons. I don't care. It's the fact that they had two blown saves and they really needed him. And the Sox have not won a single division series in the AL East this year. They haven't. And, and they just got swept. Why, they just got swept four games. And another point is, you know, Ben attendees another guy. Yeah. And Who that's going to switch on the Yankees radar. And now he's not because the Yankees going to need him against Toronto. If they play, if, the the AL wild card right now is such a matchup matchup mix up. Let's go Orioles. Yeah, that if you're, I know you're rooting for the Orioles and the Mariners right now. But uh, I I don't like the Mariners. I don't okay. like I don't like um the GM. Yo, uh, he's off. They they fired him. They got he got oh, fired when the. Uh, there's no the, way. I think then they didn't he like step down when the whole. Cal- oh yeah yeah, yeah 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 yeah. I still don't like them though. <laughs> yeah, they kind of ruined Kalanick. But anyway, you should be rooting for the Orioles and the Mariners because that's taken away from the Rays, Blue Jays, and Red Sox, who I think, I don't know what your perspective is, you would you not want to face any AL East opponent. Okay, that's fair. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. Okay. This is what I'll say, though, about just the AL East before we dive in deep. You know, AL East... The Yankees are on top, yep. and everybody is saying the Yankees are the greatest team ever, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Guess what? You know, the Yankees, you know, don't. I'm a Yankee fan, Yeah. and I don't like the roster. Like, I just okay. don't like the roster, the way it's constructed. But guess what? They're winning, so I'm going to keep my mouth shut. Yeah, I would say shut up about ro- roster construction when Heim Bloom has put JBJ and Bobby, Bobby Dahlbeck as, like, key pieces in our roster. Well, well, whatever, okay. But Tampa Bay, Bra- Tampa Bay Rays are a team yeah. where you know that's a team out of those three teams I would prefer to face. Okay. Based on their roster, now, yeah. however, yeah. but however, I don't want to face the Rays because they beat the Yankees. That's yeah. not what I want to face. Okay. Here's 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 a uh, here's a thing for you, which I I know the answer to this, but I want to hear your opinion. Last last team you want to face in the playoffs, first round. Last, last team. team. Who are you scared of the most? In the playoffs. In the playoffs. Okay. I, I There's two. There's okay. two. Okay. I just There's have two. to hear it from you. Let's There's go. two teams. Give me and give, give me it's one. not even it's not even necessarily like a team I'm afraid of. It's just the past has killed me. 
Yep. And it's the Houston Astros and the okay. Boston Red Sox. Yeah. The Astros, you're not going to have to worry the about. The Astros and Red Sox are the two. Yeah. I think, even though the Yankees are having a monumental season, the Astros are still the team to beat. Right? They destroy the Yankees in the playoffs. They destroyed Boston. Okay. I don't I don't like the word destroyed because okay. that brings up that brings a sense that brings up a sensitive topic. Yes. Uh, we will we won't talk there. That we brings up a very that. sensitive topic. And Wait, I don't like I, to talk let, about let me that at all. The Chapman smile. That's, um, a, that's a that is not a top it's not even Chapman. It's it's there's certain there's a certain thing going on with the New York Yankees. I'm not gonna mention it. Okay. There's a certain thing going on that, you know, the Astros, you know, yeah, you know, did something. Okay. And, you know, the Yankees are now getting blown and very irritated as a Yankee fan. People saying, oh, you haven't won in the decade. Well, guess what, you Smarty Pants? Well, guess what, Smarty Pants? Yeah. Uh, there was some uh, crap that happened. You know what? You know what? That sucks. But that doesn't mean you guys have a World Series ring. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, I don't. I'm not saying we don't have a World Series ring. All I'm yeah. saying is, you know, that sucks. the Astro, the Astros. Oh, I feel, I feel for the you Astros. Guys. The Astros thing sucks, and yeah. you know, everybody's saying the Yankees aren't like the Yankees. Like people now are like, oh, you're a ban- like I'm a bandwagon for liking the yeah. Yankees. But guess what? You know, since I've been born, I've yeah. only seen one World Series. Oh yeah. No, like, don't I, don't you I, dare. Don't you dare call me a bandwagon. And number two, and number two is guess what? Yeah. We've had a drought. We okay. haven't had a drought forever. Uh-huh. So don't you dare call us upset, frustrated, because we are spoiled brats. We're not spoiled. Okay. Well, oh, I... you want you want to hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. That was a trap. Whoa, that was a trap. Whoa. Don't you dare talk about being spoiled because you guys <laughs> win. Trap. Wait, wait, you guys Derek, win. Derek, Derek, let's not go there. You guys I'm win. I'm fine. I am not. I am spoiled, but I'm fine. You guys win. That's all I'm <laughs> saying. That's all I'm yeah. saying. Um, I wanted to talk about, so I wanted, I did want to talk about the Astros because you mentioned roster construction. Look at the Astros. They're pitching catcher, catcher. They have a hole. That, that is, and that's a problem, but first base. Yeah. I, you think Sean Murphy could be on the move? I, it'd be a weird division rival. No, trade. it's not happening. No? Not to the Astros. Yeah. I, cause that the division thing's not going to happen. I, there, Tyler I mean, Stevenson. That's a, that's a good, that would be great for to the Astros. That's yeah. an, that, or yeah. Contreras. That would be huge, but I don't think that will happen. Just Contreras to the Astros is not happening. I think Stevenson yeah. to the Astros could happen. Yeah, I like that. It's like that's like they just need someone to fill the, the void. Martin Maldonado is just not good, and <laughs> um, actually, so they do have someone filling the void a little. It's Corey Lee, their prospect, but like he's like okay, he's not like that. I think he's like a mid. I think he's a. Low a hundreds. What's his low- potential supposed to be? I think he's B two potential. So he's not great. Oh, so that's kind of yeah. But he's he's filling the void that Mar- Maldonado is filled. But anyway, pitching. Their pitching is year after year just disgusting. See, 
See, pitching pitching's interesting for me for the Astros. Their bullpen is not because as good as it used to be. because everybody's like Verlander's back. Yeah, I still have question marks with Verlander in the po- not necessarily in the postseason, but lengthwise. Longevity, like how many? Yeah, like how many innings can he yeah. pitch? And then Valdez, I think, is a guy where your defense has to be sound. I think Valdez yeah. is a great pitcher, but there's question a little small question marks there. Yeah, colors like there's small question marks for the Astros when yeah. when talking about the pitching, but you know there's a guy out there for the yeah. Astros, and it you know shortstop is kind of a question mark. Pena's done well, but he's you know, kind of falling off a little, right? What is he? Yeah, he has. Um, the question mark is how is he going to be in the postseason? But Don's got to stay healthy. Okay, that's fair. I think the big X factor for when you're comparing the Astros to the Yankees and in the Astros' favor is. You know, this is going to sound stupid. Yeah. Because it is, it's going to sound stupid. Yeah. The Astros, Kyle Tucker is the X factor because when you look at the New York Yankees, the outfield construction, yeah. I get it. You have Judge. I get it. You have Stanton. But guess what? Those are not guys who are going to put the ball in play. Yeah. And number two is Kyle Tucker's defense. And also, Kyle Tucker is a left handed bat. Yeah. He's a left hander. He, he actually he steals bases too. Yeah. You know he he's really he's great. I think he was in the conversation like first player. He was in. I saw a graphic this morning that put him with like it was like Alfonso Soriano and like like Hank Aaron and people of like first oh player to, first outfielders Jesus. to reach like this many home runs and this many stolen bases, which is like I hate those stats, but he reminds of me of Cody Bellinger. Yeah. Like, like not, he's, I think right now you, well, he's, he's better, more consistent, yeah. he's more consistent, but yeah. like his stature, like just yeah. his oral, I think is very similar to Cody Bellinger. Yeah. You know, Avi he's, yeah. And he's, he's a little, yeah, that's a really good comparison. I think he's going to be more consistent and he does put the ball and play more than Bellinger. Yeah. Especially so, yeah. Even his Bellies MVPs use him. That was like. I couldn't believe he, how many balls he was putting in play, but any other season other than his MVP season, he doesn't, he didn't really, his bat up was pretty low. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I, all in all, I think the Astros are just the team to beat just because of last year and in the AL, just because yeah. they, you know, they're, they're, they're the Astros and, you know, despite 2017, it's a worry for Yankees fans, and I. It's a worry for us too. It's a worry for Red Sox fans because we did lose mm. to them in the ALCS. Less of a worrisome. Yeah. Sky. Okay. Who is your trade targets? Josh you Bell. Mentioned. Okay. So you want to get rid of? I mean, not necessarily get rid of, but you care about first base, which is you know a question mark. But some Red Sox fans wouldn't say that first base is something that I would go after. Well, I think I would. Pitching first, I think. I would agree. I think my ideal situation, I would be fine with just Josh Bell. I it would the pitching would hurt. It would really hurt. But you could potentially when well, who's coming back? Um, uh, Evaldi's Paxton. going back today. Paxton, stop! <laughs> Don't tell me about no, no, Paxton. No, 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 no. And I know Paxton is yeah, you love him, but no. you could potentially move Paxton to the bullpen and survive stop. and survive, but no. not be. I mean, you're not gonna stop. It, the it's not gonna be there. Stop. Like the, the pitching will not be there. I would love um, David Robertson of the Cubs. 
Uh, oh, come on. No, he's going to be cheap. The Red Sox are not Come on. You want him to go to the Red Sox to irritate me even That'd more? Be great. That'd be great. No. You already got Jeter Downs. You don't need another Jeter. Yankee. Jeter, kid. Um, anyway, yeah, despite your fandom of my of our, you know, our relief pitcher target. Uh, here's another. Okay, I have another name after, but. Robertson, he's older, so he's going to be a less of a price yeah. because you know it's just how it goes with pitching. Yep. Um, I I think you could just afford to give away like one of your two god awful first basemen, um, okay. and a, a prospect for Robertson. I th- that would hurt. Um, Daniel Bard of the Rockies, former Red Sox. Oh, I love Bard. Bard is great. I throws, would agree. That's gas. a good fit. That's a good fit. Yeah. I, I think that's that would be awesome since he, he he's been on the team before and then he you know he had his his injury. Um, that would be great. It'd also okay. be a great reunion. I think he's gonna be he'd be a great clubhouse guy too. I agree. Um, so th- those two for relievers, I would love to see. Those are attainable ones. The athletic has labeled the Red Sox as uh, this offseason this in trade uh, like their high ceiling for this deadline is to be careful spenders, and I think those are two guys that are going to are care would be careful. That would be two careful targets. You're not. That's fair. You're not who would you say, too much on those. So. Okay. So who's your starters? Just give me two. Okay. And then I'll talk about something quick. Frankie Montes. I don't think is attainable. I think not. I think the athletics have kind of marketed him as they're like, Hey, come get him to big market teams. I mean, the Sox are a big market team, but to big market big winning teams right now Dodgers. like the Dodgers who are probably the front runners and Cardinals. then like what do you say Cardinals yeah Cardinals so like those th- those teams you know these are teams that are definitely going to be like I think the Cardinals are definitely going to be in the playoffs. I think the Cardinals get Montas if that would he be good. stays healthy um I think either Cardinals or Dodgers I think the Dodgers could really obviously the Dodgers are their roster is always fine because they bring up random guys and that fill the <laughs> voids, but Heaney is still not going to be back for a while. <laughs> you love yeah, I, I love, I love that. I got uh, to bring that up, but, um, Oh man, what other starters are available? I mean, there's not a lot of starters. So hold up before Castillo, you go into starters. Okay. Luis Castillo, who is again, one that's of those guys. Happening. I don't know if that's attainable either because that's too much spending. Like, so if you're the Red Sox, yeah. obviously we talk starting pitching. What are you looking for starting? Like, Because obviously the targets you mentioned are not attainable, attainable but realistically, okay. what are you looking for Like from a st- starting, from a starter? Because obviously, okay. like, who's your – you don't really have top top end yeah. of the rotation, guys. Yeah. You don't really have depth, period. Yeah. Like, you kind of – like, if I'm the Red Sox, what I'd be looking for is you don't want to trade some of your uh, prospects. I'd be looking for, like, a 3-4 guy. Okay, so Rich Hill is our back-end guy, right? And Rich Hill is pretty bad. He's not great. And I think they needed, like, they he is not really, he's not really been what they thought he was. He's been okay. He's been fine. Um, he's, you know, just an old man in the back of the rotation, innings eater. Um, but you let's go to the top of the rotation. Of all these coming back, he's supposed to be the ace. Um, he's pitching tonight. I, uh, you know, before you go into it, I yeah. think Nick Pavetta is better than Uvalde right now. I Pavetta is awesome. Pavetta, um, Pavetta has was labeled by a lot of people 
um, Trevor Pluth of John Boy Media for one as to be the X factor of the, the rotation. Like if he's good, the socks are going to be good. If he's bad, the yeah. rotation is going to have some holes. He's been great. He, that first yep. month was bad, but after that, he's been awesome. Other than that last start against the Yankees. So Pavetta is really like filled his role. He's done exactly what he has needed to. So Avaldi and Pavetta are your clear one and two sale is just the biggest question mark of all time. Um, you know, he was not great last year. He had like a 1.3 whip. He was fine. He, he like, they didn't give up runs because um, just, I guess, I think his FIP was pretty high. Um, but sale is such a question mark that it makes your back end rotation. Like, so like you need a three, you need a, a solid yeah, three, see, which I, I, agree. I totally agree with, which is why, like, I don't know what three starters. Martin like, Perez is a guy I'd look at, but I don't I, think he's, I don't think he's, I don't think you can get him. I don't think he's going to want to come back to the Red Sox after they dropped. He loves the Red Sox. I don't know if you like knew. Like, yeah, he was with the Red Sox. He yep. was, like, he well, he loved them. He was um he every Red Sox start he'd say on Twitter he'd go hashtag Perez Day, and then he yeah. Was so he's uh, probably not coming back. But a guy like I, that, I would say, I yeah, someone like that because I think he'll have like a he'll have a worse second half probably. Definitely. Um, but yeah, someone like that. I I totally agree because then you got John you got, Gray. I don't think so. The Rangers, that's their guy. They signed him to such a big deal. And he's I'm just trying con- to think of guys contract, that are in that realm. His contract is way too big. Um, Fair. Yeah, I don't know why oh, other pitching pro- there's, targets are available. You know, guys on the Rockies that I like, sleeper guys that could be traded, you know, not necessarily guys from the Red Sox because I think you'd have to give up prospects necessarily, yeah. but guys to look out for in a trade market, I get it. The Rockies got Chris Bryant, but yeah. – Guys always thought were interesting via trade. Herman Marquez has been down yeah. this year. That's a guy. Um, He's been, and, and Kyle you know, Freeland is a guy he, I like. Yeah. You know, Herman, you know, any pitcher that pitches the cores, you got to look at their stats, the great assault. But Herman has been interesting. He's been really, either really good or really bad. Um, I could totally, I mean, I'd love that, but, you know, it, you're right, but he would totally – like it's one of those guys where if he's – like their ceiling is to be the three guy of the, the Red Sox, that is what I want. Because if Sale, you know, is not great, which I think I, – we'll see, you know. Uh, Rich Hill is, you know, an innings eater. Whitlock is such a question mark because he's been bad he's not he's been okay as a starter he's not been i think the biggest question marks for the red sox yeah. when you look at things is um how can whitlock yeah yeah it's, it's, it's so true um you know if and cora has said that the vaccination thing is not going to be an issue at the end of the year if the Red Sox play the Blue Jays again in the playoffs without a closer, like in, in like a wild card matchup, well, they probably gonna... have uh, your guy uh, be the closer. Oh yeah, yeah. Instead of Hauk. Yeah, right. But um, yeah, they they really need Hauk to just be fortified, and if they're gonna keep him in the closer role, and then Whitlock is like, do you put him back in the bullpen in his role last year where he was one of the best relievers in baseball last year as like a long-term, like two, three inning guy that just like dominated guys with this, his fast cutting sinker. 
I really would like if they would put him in that role again as like an opener or or like just you know that you know six seven eight inning guy. We'll see. But that's after that. You have to do that after you get a starter that can take you know fill the void that he's supposed to done. They're supposed to do. So they really need a starter. Okay, that's fair. You we talked about the trade deadline. Yeah. Just what are your thoughts? You meant you mentioned Josh Bell as a guy. Yep. You know you see interest in him, and he's yep. got a longer contract. Yeah. But guess what? There's a guy in the minor leagues, Tristan Cassis. Yeah. He's been in that realm, and I don't know when he's coming up. He kind of remind he's a lefty bat, which yep. you know Josh Bell's a switch hitter, but it should be interesting. What are your thoughts on Cassis? You know, before this season, I was really high on Cassis. Um, he played on team USA and was what like their best, one of their better hitters. Like he was a slugger and he was great last year in the minors. And that brought his, uh, I'm pretty sure that brought his, uh, position on the, the prospect list to like, I think 11, it was just, just outside top 10. It was like either 11 or 14 this year started out the year hitting 230 with like a 760 OPS. Sorry. All right. He had promise last year. Let's see what happens. Then he gets injured. Now he's at 30 on the list. So he has dropped down like almost 20 spots. I don't know how much trade value you can even get from him. Um, if you were to move him, you might just want to say, you know what? He was so good last year. We have to just, you know, take a gamble and keep him and see if we can develop him back into the slugger role he was supposed to have. And if that's the case, then like, yeah, I'd love Casas. He's not going to, but he's not going to be on the, he's not going to be in the majors this year and he's not going to be in the major. He'll probably might be in the majors next year, but that injury really delayed his timeline and COVID too. Yeah. The Red Sox right now are in a position where they could lose both of their stars next year. See at Bogart's endeavors. I don't think they're going to, I think they'll keep one or the other. Hold up. Yeah. When's De- Devers is a free agent at the end of the year? He's not, but like, uh, well, I think, yeah, yeah. He's a free agent at the end of the year. I think so. Or, or it's like arbitration because people are talking about him leaving. Hold up. I got to look that up. I know, I know Bogarts is a guy who can be on the move, but I didn't think Devers at all. There's no way Devers um, is, is a free agent at the end of this year because. That's just downright st- – because he got a contract extension a w- little while ago. No, he didn't. He, he got an arbitration deal. He's making 11.2. Hold on. Baseball reference would have his contract deal. Spotrack. Okay. I was right. He's got this year, then next year. He's arbitration okay. third. But and then if fr- Bogarts leaves, then Devers – like, that's one of Bo- his best buddies on the team, you know, that power middle infield. Bogarts leaves, Devers could leave. I, I think the time to attack is now. I think you could make a sneaky run in the playoffs, but that's only if you make these trade deadline moves. So Yeah, if you're the Red Sox, I'm going to just end it on this point, and then yeah. we'll go into you know the games. Yeah. If you're the Red Sox, you're going to get rentals mm-hmm. because yeah. you're not going to go because you're talking about guys you don't want to get a big – big guy and you want yeah. to get rentals you're gonna be solid and i think guys and they trust they trust those rentals like a schwarber last year he was yeah. awesome 938 ops pretty sure exactly so 
It's going to be a question mark, though, you know, what's going to happen with the Yankees with Severino down. Yeah. And uh, Ryan Weber could be coming up soon. Who knows? Yeah. That would be interesting. Do you think they'd go? They wouldn't go for a starter, right, though? Who? The Yankees? Do you think they would? They might go with Castillo. Mm. Yeah. That, but do see, like, this is, see, this is what I would do. This is what I do. Yeah. I lock up Cole as number one right now. Yeah. Because He's, like I I think Nestor Cortez is you're also like, paying you're you're paying too much money for him to not be one. Come on. That number one <laughs> and number two is Cortez innings. I'm now a little concerned with Cortez. Yeah. So one I this is what I think uh, you got yeah. one is Cole. Yeah. Tyone question mark, Severino question mark, Cortez question mark. Montgomery, Montgomery is your solid four. Montgomery, I don't know. And I think Two guys, if I'm the Yankees, I look at to yeah. be that two would be a Frankie Montas or Luis Castillo. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. I love their starting rotation for the New York Yankees, but I have concerns. Yeah. Kind of like kind of like what we alluded to with the Astros. Yeah, I think the Astros true. is better because I think it's more. Yeah, it's it's a it's a solid. It's so solid. And it, it was solid last year without Verlander. And now they have Verlander. So um, we'll see. But. Hey, maybe you can get rid of Gallo in one of those deals. You know, Gallo is, you know, okay. So you, we'll do quick on Gallo. Yeah. All right. So this is, I look at the Yankees outfield. Gallo, I was excited that he went to the Yankees. Okay. Yeah. No, no, as any, any Yankee fan was, it just, it hasn't worked out. Okay. So now I look at it and say, okay, let's trade Gallo. Yeah. Let's trade Hicks. Okay. Yeah. I want to get rid of both of them. I don't know if you could that yes. would be Yes, yes, please, please. Who wants them? Oh, well, Gallo actually has interest. The Padres, the Rangers. Hey, hey. Martin to the Yankees. You sent Gallo back in that deal. Who? Perez. Martin, Martin. Perez. That's he's not oh come on. He's had he's an all-star. He, no, that's an all-star. I, no, pitcher. but that's not happening. I know, but that'd like, be crazy. But I don't No, that's not happening. It'd be I would crazy, do that but you know because the Yankees. I don't know if you know this, but the farm system. I love Miguel and I think Miguel Andujar is the starting should be in the majors. Oh yeah, he's like think, good at best this year. And so. I think Esteban Florial needs a real chance. And those are the two guys yes. I would bring up. I, I would, would bring up if you trade those two and you don't get a guy in the outfield. Okay. But I, if you're the Yankees, this is what I look at. I look, and there's not many guys like this out there. This yeah. is a specific thing that I think the Yankees need, but I don't know of a guy who could do this. Maybe you can, Dan. Okay. Center fielder on a rental. A rental center fielder. Ramon Laureano? Preferably a lefty. Okay. Um, the only lefty center fielder I can think of is Brandon Nemo, and the Mets would never. So. Um, exactly. Yeah, I think, but... Um, What's Loriano's deal right now? Uh, 2023, 2024. See, that wouldn't be terrible. They wouldn't lose. That's not like you're not losing too much. They, they, they can afford that. Yeah, but the Yankees are so right-handed. Yeah. I, they. <laughs> I can't think of any other center fielder. Exactly. Way. And I, I couldn't even – I even Googled on free agency just to see a center you fielder on a rental conversation. Yeah. Nobody. It's funny because I think Ben Attendee could play center field, but they because no, no, the because no. the Vax thing, they they won't they won't bite. 
Yeah. So, but we'll see. So what are your what last happens words? When you get two guys that like to talk together. So what are your last words for uh, our listeners of Derek's discussions? And who knows, maybe Derek's discussions will be one of the most watched podcasts out there. You know, here's the thing. It's like, these are, these are, we're, we're in the farm system right now. Right. So developing, I, I we're, we're honing in our skills. We'll see what happens. Maybe some more collabs in the future with us. Um, these are two, two guys that like to talk Red Sox and, and like to talk Yankees. So um, I see a mar- I see a market there. I think, I think Derek's discussions will take off in the Marist uh, circle. Uh, not, not the circle newspaper, but the circle as in like community. We'll see. We're eventually, you know, junior and senior year, we're going to be, we're going to be up there um, as the guys that we're looking up to now, you know? So we're going to be the heads of MT, MCTV and center field. You know, it's going to be, we'll see what happens. We there's unlimited potential with um, our college degrees and what we can do at school. I think, I think it's going to, we're going to have a good partnership coming through, going forward. So dude, maybe, uh, maybe we'll be the new uh, Stephen A and uh <laughs> Stephen A uh, shows up. Uh, they, yeah. I mean, I, the good thing is, I think our height discrepancy would is good. Like we're not identical, so. <laughs> and that's yeah, how you. That's like, how you. That's how you. You're Bob it. Costas. Fine. Okay. You I can will walk take circles that. around me. Good. 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 Yeah. I will take. I will take being Bob Costas as the last words <laughs> that I hear from. Yeah. From yeah. Exactly. But um. No. Just you know. Just um. Tune into my podcast. Uh. The relay throw. Um, if you like Marist sports, me and my guy Andrew will be talking about it next year. We expect a lot of growth with that. And um, shout out center field. Yeah. And I've been a part of, I mean, I've watched those and, you know, he's done a great job, Dan. I'm, I'm so glad to have you on of Derek's discussions and we're looking forward to uh, nah. you know, talking soon. Of course. Hey, keep in touch. All right. Keep in touch. All right.